Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Welcome at church this morning. Now, I'm very excited this morning. We are finishing our series called Tree. This sermon series really challenged me. I don't know about you. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the first one. We started out with Psalm 1, and we spoke about the tree planted at rivers of water and how God challenged me and, and us to dig our roots down deep so that more nourishment and the Word can flow through our lives so that storms can come and not touch us. And last week we spoke about Jesus. He was on his way to Jerusalem and he saw a fig tree. He was hungry and he was looking at the fig tree. There was no fruit and he cursed the fig tree and the tree immediately died by its roots. And, and sometimes we sit in churches, Christians and churches, and we have beautiful, awesome leaves, but there's no fruit in our lives. And, and the sermon really challenged us to bear fruit and not just to look cool and to look like we're amazing, but to bear fruit in our lives. And Jesus said, it's by your fruit that, sh- that you show you are my disciples. And uh, so it was a really challenging sermon, not only for us, but for me as well, for all of us. Because we always need to look back and say, Lord, show me my fruit. Show me my fruit in my life so that I can live fully for you. Now, trees were very significant prophetical symbols all through the Bible. If you go through it, um, when the Bible spoke about a fig tree, it was a prophetic symbol of Israel. And, um, and a fig tree was the only tree that was named in the Garden of Eden. There were so many interesting stories about trees, but every time you read about a tree, it, it has somewhere a prophetical symbol connected to it. But trees were also involved in amazing moments of encounter, where people... Um, were led to salvation, they were led to a deeper place of relationship with God, and, and Jesus always was somewhere along the line in one of those stories, and he was so intentional, um, just helping people closer to the Father. Now, as I was prepping um, the sermon this week, I read a story of a boy, and they had a traveling missionary coming to the school, and he preached an incredible message, and this boy stood up, he was the only one, he was stood up in the middle of everyone, he stood up and he got saved in that moment. And all his friends afterwards came to him and said, listen, wow, what happened? What, what did you feel? What did you experience? Did you hear God speak to you? And, um, and the boy sat and he, and he thought about it for a moment and he said to them, he said, he said to his friends, he said, listen, it's, it's, it's almost like um, going fishing. And you throw your line out and you wait until that fish caught that bait. And the fish pulled the line, you know, It felt like God was pulling my heart like that. And that was one of the most amazing explanations to me. You see, all of us have experienced in that moment of salvation, at moments when we met God, how God pulled on your heart. He pulled on your heart before you got saved. And and I believe that we as a church need to be in a place where we need to experience a constant pulling for the more of God in our lives. We need that. I don't know about you. I need it. I need it weekly. I say, Lord, I need a pulling of more of you. I need to be pulled into the more of you. Now, if someone will ask us the following question, what will your answer be? The question is, if you could do something to encounter God, if you could do something to encounter God, how far would you be willing to go to see that happen? How far would you be willing to go? That's a good question. See, what would you do for just one moment in His presence 
Just one moment in His presence. Now today I'm speaking about a story I've never preached about. But I have spoke to kids about it. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Remember the, the song Zacchaeus was? A wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up into the sycamore tree. You remember that? Now I ruined you. I tried to forget that song until I started prepping this. And I was like, I can't get the song out of my head. But I want to speak about this, this story. And you know, all know very well there was a tree involved. But let's read it. And um, man, it is such a significant story. It is when I started reading through it, started meditating and see what God said through it. It is incredible. So let's read together and I'm going to pause and we're going to speak about this this morning. So Luke 19 verse 1 to 4. We're going to look at the first four scriptures. It says the following. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, a superintendent to whom others reported, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, but he could not see because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran on ahead of the crowd and climbed up in a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. Now, amazing four verses. Now, I want to pause there before we go on, and, and, and I want to go a little bit slower because it's so important for us to understand the significance of what happened in the story. Now, let's take it verse by verse. Verse 1, verse 1 said the following. It says, so Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. Now, let's speak about Jericho as a city. I don't know about, we, we read about the city, but do we know what the city was all about and how, how significant the city was. Now, Jericho was about 24 kilometers from Jerusalem. 24 kilometers. And, and the amazing thing is Jerusalem was high up, higher up in the mountains and Jericho was way below in the Jordan Valley. And there was a road that connected Jerusalem with Jericho and, and it was a very dangerous road. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? It was on that road where the whole story happened. And we have spoke about that before. Now, Jerusalem was almost 250, 300 meters above sea level. Now, that's quite high, seeing that you're only like 50 kilometers from the ocean. So it's about 50 to 300 meters above sea level. And Jericho was about 60, 70 meters below sea level. So just think about that drop from, from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It's quite a, 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 a tricky road going down, all the way down. That's why people spoke about going down to Jericho from Jerusalem. Now Jericho was also situated in a desert area. But the city was built in and around an, an, an oasis. And which made, actually made the city amazing. See, it had an incredible climate because of this oasis. And many people built their houses in Jericho and they commuted to Jerusalem. So they walked up and down. And that's why you see in a Good Samaritan story how the priest and the Levite and everybody was walking from Jericho up to the temple in Jerusalem. Most people lived there and they walked up and down. People loved that city of Jericho. It had a, a vibey culture. It was amazing. Now, Jericho was also a very important city and very strategic situated on the route to Jerusalem. It, it was situated in the middle of the trade route into the city. 
It's almost like one of those suburbs. It's an incredible suburb, almost like Stalamosh to Cape Town or Somerset West to Cape Town. It's an incredible suburb as you go through. But which made the city really significant, there was a lot of wealth in the city. And the wealth in the city was because it was on the trade route. And, and all the cities, it was almost like um, the point where everything gathered and then go to Jerusalem. And everybody and everything went through and into and through Jericho as a city. So we can understand that, that people who, who lived there, they wanted to live there, they wanted to work there, they wanted to run businesses in Jericho. Um, and because of that, it became a city with a lot of wealth. A lot of wealth. Especially very significant for tax collectors. So, let's go to verse 2. Verse 2 says, and here we meet Zacchaeus, and there was a man called Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, a superintendent to whom others reported, and he was very rich. It's interesting that the word actually wanted us to, to know that this guy was rich. Very important. So, so we meet Zacchaeus, a tax collector, but he was not just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. Very important. Big difference between a tax collector... That was Matthew. Remember Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples? He was just a tax collector. But Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was chief of a bunch of guys. So there's only one reference in the New Testament referencing a chief tax collector, and this was it. Now before we go on, let me quickly explain and pause how taxes work in biblical times. Have you ever thought about it? How does how did taxes work? If you looked at the Jews, the Romans, all those things, how did it work? Now, let me explain to you. If you were a Jew living in those times, there were about two areas that, that you would have been taxed from. Two areas. Number one was you were taxed from the Jerusalem temple. If a man were 20 years and older, he, had, he was taxed, um, they called it temple tax, annually seasonally as a man. You had to go to the temple and give temple tax, um, see it like an offering or a tithe, or they gave temple tax. So if you're a Jew and you believe in God and you were worshiping at the temple, that's what every man 20 years and older had to do annually. It might be two to three times a year. But they also gave a tithe to the temple on all their crops that they harvested. And they gave it to the priests and the Levites that worked for the temple. And that was their tithe every month as they harvested their crops and their income. But then the second place what they, people were taxed from was they paid taxes to Rome. Remember? They paid taxes to Rome. And Rome, Israel was under Roman rulership. But the Romans claimed taxes for one reason, they claimed it to fund their armies. Now listen to this ridiculous thing. I, I thought about it and I realized that, <laughs> think about it. The Jews paid taxes so that the Roman army could be more powerful to oppress them more. So I pay you taxes so that you can oppress me. How ridiculous is that? If that doesn't let your blood boil, I don't know. But they couldn't do anything because they were under their rulership. And the Romans were ferocious. They, they were not a, love, a loving nation. 
Now, apart from these two places of text, the temple text, the, the Roman, Romans text, there was a lot of other stuff that the Romans enforced taxes. Stuff like um, they, were, they were taxed on their crops. They were taxed on being, just being a citizen. They were taxed on trans transportation. There was transportation tax. There was inheritance tax. There was, I mean, I could go on and on and on. There was just tax of the tax of tax. And if you look at a normal, normal um, person in those days, they were taxed 50 to 80% of their salary monthly. 50 to 80%. That's two-thirds of your income monthly just taxed. How many of you would love that? <laughs> and we complain about SARS. This was hectic. So, so when the Romans then come, and when they need to collect the taxes, they were very clever. So the Romans went, and they appointed a guy called a chief tax collector, but they took a Jewish man. And they made him a chief tax collector that oversaw a whole region of taxes. And that chief tax collector then went, and he hired local Jewish men to then went to the people and collect the tax. So the chief tax collector was a guy who oversaw like 50 other tax collectors, and he just sat and roamed around and collected the money, went to the governor, the Roman governor, and paid the due. So the Romans had contracts, taxes, tax, tax contracts, that they said, listen, this is the contract for Judea. Zacchaeus, you have that contract, you let your tax collectors go, they collect the money, and he comes back to the governor and gives whatever they were taxed. But the issue was this. The issue was that the system was corrupted. <laughs> and the system was corrupted, why? Because the men, the tax collectors that went out, they collected above the rates that the Romans wanted. The Romans didn't care what they do. They were backed by the Roman army. So the people couldn't do anything to them. The Romans just wanted their tax. So the chief tax collector... And the tax collectors asked above the rate. They took something in their pockets and they gave the Romans whatever they wanted. And that is exactly because of that reason is why the Jewish people despised, they hated the tax collectors. Especially the chief tax collector. Why? Because the chief tax collector, <laughs> he went and he actually recruited local men. Their own people. Their own people went, and he recruited them to collect the, to collect the taxes. So they had no patience for any tax collector. They didn't like them. They hated them. Hated them was probably a soft word. <laughs> so Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector over the region of Judea, and, and he lived in Jericho probably because of his trade and because this was a wealthy city, he decided to live there, and everybody wanted to live there rather than Jerusalem. So he lived in this city. Now, if you look at Zacchaeus, this guy was probably, he was almost seen as the godfather. He ran this mob of tax collectors, collecting all this money. He was the kingpin. He was the man. And he was very rich. And the word actually wants us to see that this guy was rich. He was filthy rich. He was richer than tax collectors that also skimmed from the top. And that's why people hated Zacchaeus. He was not a loving guy in a community. So let's look at verse 3 and 4 now that we understand. So verse 3 says, 
Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, but he could not see because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. Now let's look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, So he ran on ahead to the crowd, and he climbed up a sycamore tree. It was actually a fig tree. They call it a sycamore fig tree because the branches was lower, and you can actually easily climb into this tree. And, um, and they say Jericho was full of dated palm trees, but also sycamore fig trees all over. And the people ate from them, and they, they, they loved the fruit from it. So he climbed up a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. Now, it says here, let's go back one. It says here that Zacchaeus was short in nature. And, and that, that's what people thought, that he was a short guy. But if you go to the Scriptures, and, and you go and look at the meaning of stature in Greek, it meant three things. It meant short in age, or short in size, or short in social status. Now, I looked at it and I thought, I don't think age was the issue, because they won't appoint a young man to be a chief tax collector, so he probably was a bit older. And I don't think size was actually a thing, but what I do think is that he was short in social status. People hated this guy. They didn't want to be his friend. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. He had no social connection with anyone whatsoever. That means no friends. How many of us, if somebody walks in here, Elon Musk walks in here and said, listen, any of you want to be a billionaire? I'll give you a billion dollars with one condition. You're not allowed to have one friend in your life. Nobody. Just you. Interesting choice. You can't even buy your friends. That's where Zacchaeus was. He had everything his heart's desire, but he had, didn't want thing. He had no social status. He had no friends. He had no connections. See, he was alone. He was despised by everyone. And it was not a fun life. Now, I think, if I look at the Scriptures, I think Zacchaeus had a longing in his heart to change. He had a longing to change. He didn't want to be like this. He wanted people in his life. He wanted family. He probably wanted a wife. The scripture doesn't say that, but we never know. And I believe, I think that he regretted what he did. But you know, he was too far in to turn around. He was too far in to say, okay, I'm going to change. I'll he was too far in. I think there was a deep longing in his heart. So maybe you ask like Henny, but how can you get to that? How do you know this? This was true. But if you read through the Scriptures, there was actually three things that was mentioned in the Scriptures that actually says, that's right. It points to a place of he had a longing to change. Three things. Now let's look at those three things. Number one is he wanted to see. He wanted to see. See, Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. He was trying to see Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Now, why? Why? I mean, I love asking why. Why did Zacchaeus want to see Jesus? He, he didn't care about these things. Is anyway a Jewish rabbi? I mean, why did he want to see him? You go back to Luke chapter 18. Now, remember, this is Luke chapter 19. Verse 1, 3, 2, 3, 4. In those times, there wasn't chapters and numbers. It was just one script. 
So they took chapters and numbers just to give us a divided the scriptures. And so, so years back, it was only one scroll. So if you go back to chapter 18, at the end of the chapter 18, Jesus heals a blind man. So right after that, Jesus walks into Judea and the whole Zacchaeus thing happened. So, so about the last five verses back from Zacchaeus, we read about Jesus passing through Jericho again and a blind man calls out to Jesus. And Jesus stops and he looks, oh, no, listen, um, I've spoken about this, but this blind man isn't just like, Jesus, Jesus. No, no, he said, Jesus. He yelled. He made a ruckus in the street. And Jesus thought, who's, who's yelling like that? And he saw the blind man. He walked over, and he, he went to the blind man, and he asked him, he said, listen, what can I do for you? And the mind said the following. He said, I want to see. I want to see. Now, why? Because he was blind. <laughs> See, this man had a desire and a longing to see. And what did he do? He pursued Jesus by shouting aloud. He did anything he had to. He just shouted until Jesus recognized and walked to him. That was the only thing he actually could do. He couldn't stand up, couldn't see. He probably was sitting at the gate there um, all the time. Mighty miracle in Jericho. Now, knowing Zacchaeus, knowing this, this, this is the pinnacle, the kingpin man, the godfather himself, he knew probably everything that was happening in that city. Because he was running tax collectors and everything. He had a finger everywhere in, and he knew what, what was happening. Now, if you think about knowing Zacchaeus and the role he played, he definitely knew about this miracle that happened. He definitely. Because people speak. And he probably knew this man sitting there, blind man sitting there, because he probably walked by him daily and the man asked him for alms and he just like walked around the guy, didn't want the guy to, because money was his God. So Zacchaeus knew about the story. He knew about what Jesus did. And I guess that that story, that miracle stirred something inside the heart of Zacchaeus. You see, God started pulling on his heart. He started pulling on Zacchaeus' heart and something, a longing started happening. It's like, man, I long for, maybe if God can change that man, if Jesus, that man, that prophet, whoever he is, I need to find out who he is. If he can let a blind man see, maybe, maybe he can change me too. Maybe he can help me make friends. Maybe. And a longing starts, started growing in his heart, probably. You remember we spoke about what if, a what if started happening in his heart. What if Jesus can actually do something for me? Now Zacchaeus wasn't blind. He wasn't blind, he could see, but he had a longing to see and to change. And that made him curious enough to pursue Jesus. And what did he do? He acted. He acted on it. And this is where it gets interesting. How many of you are willing to act because of a longing to see more of God? Because of a longing to change in your life? How many of you are willing to act to encounter the king of the universe? Now, be careful before you answer. 
Because if you look, this, look at the story further, Zacchaeus had to do a few things that wasn't easy. Now let's read on. The second thing we can see as we read through the Scriptures, why we see that Zacchaeus had a longing, he did the following. He ran on ahead. He ran on ahead. The Scriptures say, so he ran on ahead of the crowd. Now why was this significant? Why was running significant? Now, if you, if you load your church history and you go through the Bible and you know the customs of men in Jewish culture, you know it, then you know that men did not run. They didn't run. You see, children ran, but men didn't run. You see, in an honor and shame culture where every action is either brought you honor or shame, this was the most shameful thing of all of it, of, of to, for a dignified man to do, is to run. Kids run, but men didn't run. They walked. That's what a dignified man did. So here you have the kingpin, the, the godfather himself, pulling up his dress and he started running ahead of the crowd. See, this just shows Zacchaeus' longing to see and meet the miracle worker. He wanted to see Jesus so bad, the longing was so, so big in his heart that he, could, he would have done anything to get to see this man. And he started running. You see, he was willing to move his status aside and do whatever it takes. He was willing to do whatever it takes to get to know Jesus, to make this happen. How many times do we get in our lives, are we willing to do anything to ashamed ourselves so that we can just encounter the king of the universe, so that we can just be in his presence? What are we willing to do to act to get closer to the Father? And then we get to number three. He climbed up a tree. So he wanted to see Jesus. He ran on ahead and he climbed a tree. It's three very distinct reasons that we can say that this man was a man that forgot about his status. He didn't care about anything else. He just wanted to see Jesus because he had a longing to change in his heart. Now, as undignified as it was for an adult man to run, so much so it was, <laughs> it was worse to climb a tree. It's way worse. I mean, if people in that times saw a man climb a tree for fun, they would think, oh my goodness, that, that guy is insane. He said, literally, go and get some guys with a straitjacket because this guy is climbing trees. This is demonic. So firstly, he runs, then he climbs a tree. I think people thought, oh my goodness, the chief tax collector just lost his mind. Call the other tax collectors together. We have a problem here. But Zacchaeus, by then, he didn't care what people thought. He didn't care. I just want to meet. I, I need to see this man. I need to see him. He ran on ahead um, of all the people and the crowd that was following Jesus, and he climbed to this, into this tree to make sure. He just wanted to make sure he didn't miss anything when Jesus comes by. He would have done anything, and he did probably most things that were shameful. See, just like the blind man shouted in the street, Jesus! 
people tell him, shh, shh, shh this is, don't bother the prophet. Don't bother, bother the rabbi. He just started shouting. He shouted until Jesus came to him. And the same with Zacchaeus. He was shaming himself just to see Jesus. He just wanted to see the king, the guy who did that miracle. Maybe, maybe he could do that for me. Now let's remember why Zacchaeus started doing this in the first place. <laughs> why he went first time, went out of his custom, did things that's not usual. He had a longing to change. He had a longing in his heart. God was tugging on his heart. He was pulling on his heart. He, he wanted to change. He felt something was different. You see, when Zacchaeus climbed that tree, it might have looked like a moment of insanity, but he did it because he had such a longing for Jesus. And I read that and I realized, Lord, what is my longing for you? What am I willing to give up to shame myself just to, just to see you, just to experience you? But you know what was the most, the most powerful moment of this for me? Here we see Zacchaeus placed himself into a position to encounter. That's what he did. He placed himself into the best place he can. I just want to be in this tree because now I, can, I need to encounter Jesus. I need to see him. I don't care what people say. I don't care if, if they think I'm shameful. I don't care if they think I'm not dignified. I don't care. I need this encounter. And I need to position myself for this encounter. You see, that's why sometimes in our lives, I, if I hear people's coming in and, and, and there's a preacher, or the, I need to position myself into that conference, into that place. I need to hear that people speak. I need to get that impartation because I, I need that encounter with him. How much are we willing to do to receive more from him? How much are we willing to do? How hungry are you for change? You see, the Bible shows many stories where Jesus pursued people. But this story wouldn't have happened if Zacchaeus didn't act on his longing to see Jesus. If he didn't position himself for that encounter, we wouldn't know the story. He would have missed Jesus. Jesus would have walked by and gone. Now looking at our lives, we can take away something from what Zacchaeus did right there. I know we, we can. You see, all of us have something in our lives that we want to change. Come on. If you are a normal human being, you want to change something in your life. You trust in God for change. You trust in God for something to shift, to break through. All of us are normal. All of us are trusting God for breakthrough in our lives, to change. We're longing for and we have a desire to see change. Maybe it's something we want to get better at. Maybe it is something that we need to get rid of, a habit or a sin or something in our lives that is crippling our relationship with the Father. Maybe. Maybe you just have a deep longing to be different, to be changed from who you had become to who you know God has called you to be. And you know what Zacchaeus did? He did something about it. He did something about that longing. He didn't just stand there and let it go by. He acted on it. He was ruthless. He didn't care what people think. 
They're not my friends anyway. He just jumped in, ran and jumped into that tree. See, he positioned himself so that he could encounter the king of kings. He didn't know the king by then, but he, need, he knew that he needed to position himself. He needed to place himself in that spot so that, man, he can't miss this moment. You see, he positioned himself for an encounter with Jesus. Look what happened when we encounter Jesus. Remember what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus? He encountered Jesus, his life changed from murderer to apostle. Look what happened to, to Moses, murderer to burning bush to the greatest leader. Look what happened to Jacob. I mean, he cheated his way into the first birthright, encountered God while he was sleeping, and he became a mighty man, wise. He encounters change our lives. It does. See, sometimes we need to step over the shame and the social, social status, worry, and, and, and we need so that we can just encounter Jesus. I remember when I got saved and, and we were in AFM church and I was young. I was early high school. It's in a stage in your life where you feel like, man, I can't do a lot. I, I need to be... People can't, I can't stand out. That's just a high school issue maybe. And I always had a struggle to lift my hands in worship. It's like I would do this. Uh, it's like carry the TV. No. <laughs> and I never wanted to, until one day God just tucked in my heart. And I was in worship and I realized my mom and dad just died that one Sunday we sat literally in the second row. So the whole church was behind us. Nobody wanted to sit in the front row. And we were right in front and I just felt God tugging on my heart saying, why don't you just surrender to me? Just put up that hands. What are you willing to do to get more of me? I remember I actually said, Lord, why, why, do I, why don't I experience more of you? Everybody is worshiping. It looks so amazing. I don't experience anything. And the Lord said to me, why don't you just surrender? And I felt I needed to put my hands in the air. And I thought, oh, yeah, my social status is going. I'm worried about what people's going to think of me. Come on, that's, I mean, that's ridiculous, insignificant. But Zacchaeus knew that he was going to lose his whole social status. Everything he works for, he's the chief kingpin, tax collector, people looking up to him. Now he's running, he's climbing trees. What are we willing to do to get an encounter, to step into an encounter with God? Are we willing just to be religious? Oh, I was in church, at least I was in church. I, I sang and, and, and yeah, I know God spoke to me, but I, wasn't, yeah, I, mean, I didn't feel that I should walk up front and just worship. Well, I didn't feel that I, I should do that now. Now, this really challenged me because there's so many times when God spoke to me and to us where we feel we need to do that. The Holy Spirit speaking to us. What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to act on to meet more of Him, to see more of Him, to change the way you are now to the way God called you to be? Zacchaeus didn't care. He didn't care. He was past that. See, sometimes we need to do things that is super uncomfortable in order to get Jesus and sort out the things that need changing. So after all this, this whole story, look what happened. 
Look what happened when Zacchaeus positioned himself. Verse 5. Look at this. Verse 5 to 10. I'm just going to read the whole, the whole part. When Jesus reached the place, I love this, he looked up. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and welcomed Jesus with joy. When the people saw it, <laughs> when all the people that hated him, when they saw it, they began muttering in discontent. You know what muttering is? It's like, oh, I can't believe this man is like oh, almost speaking. And they muttered in discontent. He, was, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a notorious sinner. Now, can I just pause here? I'm going to read further. Do you know that when a dignitary like Jesus, he wasn't known. Now he did miracles. Everybody knew him. The crowd was so large that Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus couldn't even see Jesus. Now what happened when you come into a city like that, you first go to the, to the head elder. You go to his house, and there they, they receive you, they give you food, and you said, no, no, not Jesus. I'll come to the sinner's house. Whew, talk about offense. These people were spitting fire. They were not happy campers. So Jesus said, he has gone to be the guest. They said, they, the people said, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a notorious sinner. He's the Godfather, man. So Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Lord, oh, see, Lord, I am now giving half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will give back four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household because he too is the spiritual son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that what was lost. Now, just from that five scriptures, I probably can do two more sermons. That's how much is in there. But what do I want us to, to take with us today? See, remember, there were so many people that Zacchaeus couldn't see. He couldn't get close to Jesus. There was no way. He wanted to see. There was a huge crowd. Now, it's amazing how Jesus never misses a moment. He never misses a moment. He never misses when anyone goes out of their way, goes out of their comfort zone to encounter him. He never misses that moment. Never. And here he shows it. Let's go back quickly. I love that first. When Jesus reached the place, he, he looked up. When you have a massive crowd like that around you, who would walk like this? I mean, you're here, you're around the people, you want to get by this, and disciples, I, I just Peter just enforcing, like, get away, be, be Jesus is coming. And then suddenly Jesus just he immediately saw Zacchaeus. Wow, who would position himself for such an encounter, shaming himself so that he can just see me? Hey, come down. Think about that amazing moment. Remember about the woman with the issue of blood? She couldn't get close to people, but she shamed herself. She pushed through, and she touched the rope of his, the hem of his garment. She didn't care what people thought. She just wanted that miracle. So Jesus looked up and called Zacchaeus down, but not only to come down. Now, this is amazing. He didn't just call him to come down. He said, I must stay at your house tonight. I must stay at your house tonight. I want you, Zacchaeus, to host my presence. Think about it. 
Some of us are much happier. It's like, Lord, can I just have a little bitty... Just a bit of your presence. Just touch me in worship and then I'll be fine. And Jesus said, no, I just want to, don't want to just touch and say hi. I want to come and let you host me all the time. That was so beautiful to me when I realized that we usually think that God just is very important. He just want to move by and he'll touch some of the people he wants to. No, no, he comes in and he looks up and he says, wow, look at this act. They, they are so positioned. They want to encounter me. Won't you host my presence all the time? And it offended the people. Jesus didn't care. He just wanted Zacchaeus to get everything because he acted on the longing to change. This is super special for me. See, Jesus didn't walk by. He made an effort to encounter Zacchaeus. An effort. He didn't care about the crowds. He didn't even care about his disciples because they didn't even mention him. He just wanted Zacchaeus to come down. I think even his disciples thought, Jesus, now what are we going to do with this one? But look how incredible shift happens with one encounter with him. What incredible shift happens when we encounter Jesus. Look at this. The very thing that kept Zacchaeus away from being a righteous man was the first thing to fall. His money, his material possessions. I mean, I think he was just walking on the way to his house and he said, Jesus, I just want to say I'm, I'm giving half of my stuff away and I'll give four times as much as I've taken from people immediately. One encounter with Jesus and that incredible thing breaks. Immediate change. See, how easy can those things create a gap between us and the love of the Father for us. Money. Material possessions. I'm not saying it's wrong to have it. I think God wants us to be wealthy and to have more than enough. But if that creates a gap between us and the presence and an encounter with Him, <laughs> it's going it's to change a few things in your life. But that was the first thing that bowed its knee. The first thing when He just encountered. He just met Jesus immediately. That thing went. And then because of the immediate fruit in Zacchaeus' life, man, isn't that amazing? How easy can those things blind our eyes, the money and the things? What, what is truly important is to encounter Jesus. Because that brings change not just to our lives but to many others. There was an immediate change in his life. King of his possessions, I mean, paying back everything. Why? Because Jesus then proclaimed, in that moment said, this is true salvation. Look, at, look how amazing. This is a true salvation. Did Jesus pray with him? It's just, okay, Zacchaeus, just stand here. Pray after me. Dear Jesus, I give my life. He didn't do that. He just said, Zacchaeus, come down. Salvation moment. He was in the presence of the king. That's how much an encounter with the presence of God can change us. Man, I pray. It's like, Lord, can I just have an encounter with you every day? Because I know when I'm encountering you, all my depression, all my anxiety, all my this, all my that, all this trouble, all that thing, all this wisdom that I need, everything will be gone all with me if I can just encounter the King.
Now, I don't know if you realize that or recognize what Jesus did after everything happened. I want to close with this. After everything was done and Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. And that was it. That was the story was done. I don't know if you recognize that Jesus never told Zacchaeus, don't go back to your old life. <laughs> he did not tell him that. He did not say, hey, okay, Zacchaeus, now you're a saved man. Please don't go back to be a tax collector. To be, don't, don't be a sinful man. He didn't tell him anything like that. Why after such powerful moment do anyone wants to go right back to the sin that would keep me from Jesus? <laughs> Ever thought about it? But Jesus had a plan. I believe it. Jesus knew that this moment of encounter changed him and released him to make an impact in that place where Zacchaeus was in. Jesus wanted to, that changed man, to go back and change all the other tax collectors. Started changing, doing righteous business, being a righteous man for God. I believe that. Jesus wanted him to go back and make an impact. Right in that system. How awesome is that? See, God has called all of us to make a lasting impact. No matter where you work. I had so many conversations. People say, oh, man, I work in such an unrighteous world and environment and I'm trusting God for a new job and I said no 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 just trust God to impact your life to such a degree that you have an impact on that area that place I've told, told the story before um, I had a student when we were still in Poch and he got radically saved on his final year he did um, he was a CA student chartered accountant and he got a job at PwC big company in Pretoria massive and he got there as a young appy. He came into the job and he sat in his cubicle. And oh, listen, he was burning for God. He, he, he was just, he wanted to do something. And he sat there and he thought, he's going to start a prayer meeting at between one and two. Now, listen, this is his first week as a junior appy at PwC. He's, he's now a newly chartered accountant. He still has to do some of his exams. He's not even fully um, qualified yet because you have to do practical you all know that story so he typed an email he said I'm going to do a prayer meeting from 1 to 2 um, and we're going to speak about the word and pray a bit for the company and those of you want to come send to all and, uh, and he didn't realize because it was his first week he sent it and um, 10 minutes the CEO of the company walks into his cubicle He's like, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. I'm going to get fired in my first week. And the guy said to him, said, listen, come here. I said, we don't really speak about all these things, but well done. Can I come too? And the CEO started coming. The first week, there were 30 people. The second week, there was 50 people. He started a pre-meeting as a young guy, just wanted to do something in an environment that... Money is their God. Well, not all of them. And he started making an impact in that place. And he did his job and he loved it. He built relationships because he, was, he acted on what God said to him. He didn't care if he's going to be shamed or not. He just did it. I pray that we don't miss those moments to encounter God. Because when we encounter Him, man, things move. Things happen in our lives. 
I pray that the longing for Him would get so strong in our lives that, that, that we would do anything to position ourselves to have that encounter. That's why we as a church want to get people in that moves in giftings and signs and wonders and, and we trust God for miracles. We trust God for impartation. I believe in impartation. So when I hear people's flying in and they've got this miracle ministry or, or I, I want to be there. I want to do as much as I can to be there. Why? Because I want to position myself for that encounter. I want to see how much I can get from it so that our church can become a place of encounter every weekend, every Sunday. That's why we have our banner there. Are you ready to have an encounter with the Father? Are you ready? Are you expectant? Are you longing for the encounter? Because when you encounter Him, things change. Amen? Let's pray together. Let's stand up. I hope something touched your heart this morning. Um, this, this is really close to my heart, and, and I've got a longing, although sometimes we're waiting for the feeling, but Jesus is there. God is there. Holy Spirit is in your life. He's always there with us. We just have to position ourselves and say, Lord, if it's in my devotion, if it's in church, if it's in worship, how can I position myself today, Father, so that I can get the best, the most out of this encounter with you? So, Father, I pray this morning for this amazing group of people, Father. Thank you for our church, Father. Thank you for this town, Father. Thank you that you have a longing to encounter us. You have a longing, Lord, to pour yourself out on us, Lord. Not just to touch us, but to, but to, to be hosted by us. And Lord, we want to be a church that hosts your presence all the time. We want to be individuals that host your presence every minute, every second of every day. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.